Hi, this is Rekha Sharma, and you're listening to Women at Warp. And welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in. With us this week, we have Sue. Hey there. And we've got Jera. Ah! <laughs> Jera's That's feeling a little aggro there. Voice. A little, yeah. A little yeah. Aggro. Maybe talking it out will help you calm it down a little. That's good <laughs> I just thing. have so much need to... Punch bad guys. <laughs> Don't we all, right? I mean, that sounds like you're a real warrior, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that won't come up in this episode, but, you know, oh. thank you for bring, putting that out into the universe. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> before we get to our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is entirely supported by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get awesome rewards from things on social media up to free-range, gluten-free commentaries lovingly crafted in the Swiss Alps by us. <laughs> Visit www.patreon.com forward slash women at warp. You can also support us by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, do we have any additional housekeeping for this episode? Well, Dragon Con is coming up in about a week and a half. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a convention for dragons, right? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how how you, do they fit in a hotel? Very carefully. Imagine the fire insurance for that event. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if you are headed to Atlanta uh, for Dragon Con, check out our blog where I have posted my schedule for the weekend. I'm breaking my record and doing 20 panels. Mother of corn. I'm just not going to sleep. It'll be fine. Um, but uh, all right, yeah, my, my schedule on our blog will tell you where you can find me and come say hi. I'd love to meet you. Whew, I thought recovering from Vegas was hard. <laughs> recovering from dragons. Oh, boy. <laughs> I took an extra day off work after Dragon Con. Probably a good call. Probably a good call. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to our main topic for this week, I don't know if you could tell through our incredibly subtle illusion alluding earlier, but we're going to talk about warrior women of Star Trek, or we're going to have talked about it last week. <laughs> exactly a week from a uh, week previously to the day we're recording this, we had a pan- uh, there was a panel at Star Trek Las Vegas. The panelists were, uh, panel leader was Amy M. Hoff. Our panelists were Aaron McDonald, Michelle Specht, Rekha Sharma, and then this incredible one that came out of nowhere and completely blew the house down. I mean, that last one, that really got people up on their feet freaking out like, USA. Yeah, who US. who was that Grace Moore character? That was me. That was <laughs> she, me. She yeah. looked so stylish. I know, right? Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was my panel. I was stoked and freaked out about it and on the freaking main stage. Uh this was my first time on the main stage, so that alone was worth freaking out over for me. <laughs> and to say nothing of the fact that I got to do this panel with these awesome awesome people. That was just blowing my mind. The fact that I was even backstage with them before we started. And then Rika Sharma came on. <laughs> It was just like, oh, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out. 
I think yeah. I, I maintained my cool pretty well, though. You did. And it was a great panel. I really enjoyed the discussion. It it ranged over a lot of different series and characters and, you know, different discussions on like, what does it mean to be a warrior? Does that always mean being violent? Is that is does that always mean being like stereotypically masculine? Um, and uh, yeah, there was just some really interesting discussion. Also, it occurs to me that last week we aired our interview with Rekha Sharma and there's she references a bit of this panel. So if you were feeling like you wanted more background on that interview, then definitely take a listen to this. That was your uh, sneak peek that Rekha threw in there. Now, anyway, before before Jera starts getting really, you know, warrior enraged and goes into berserker mode. Oh, oh look, at, look at her go. Look at Jera. She's starting to go for it. Oh, we better we better air the panel. We better air the panel. I am warrior woman. Hear me roar. Right. There's nothing better than the badass warrior women of Star Trek. And hell hath no fury like a warrior woman scorned. I got to tell you. So we have a wonderful presentation put together. Uh, here comes the moderator of this presentation. She's going to introduce you to the guests. Let's have a nice warm welcome for Amy Imhoff, everybody. Let's have a nice hi for Amy. Hi, everybody. It's awesome to be back in Vegas and bringing some awesome content to you this weekend. My first panel up, I'm doing the Warrior Women of Star Trek. Woo! Got some really great ladies that are coming out to talk to you. Uh, first up, we have Dr. Erin McDonald. Next up, from Women at Warp, we have Grace Moore. Star Trek continues. Michelle Specht. And we will have a late addition to the panel. Rekha Sharma will be joining us momentarily. She is on her way as we speak. So we're going to do a little chat before she gets here. Thank you very much to the video. How's everyone doing at this early panel hour? We're good? We awake yet? We're awake. Thank We've you had for our coming. coffee. We've stood in the Starbucks line. Right. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, I got in last night, so still getting oriented. But it's my second year back, so I'm thrilled to be here, and this is a blast. I love it. Awesome. Happy, happy place. So we're, to kick ourselves off, we're going to talk just a little bit about who our, our personal favorite women warriors are before we get into the series, into our in-depth discussion. We have about 45 minutes today, so we're going to take some questions at the end. But uh, we're going we're gonna to go through a pretty exhaustive list of these, these fabulous ladies that uh, have, have been filling the Star Trek lore for so many years. So uh, why don't we start with Michelle? Why don't you talk oh. about... Hi! <laughs> talk about your favorite warrior woman so we can kind of get to know your vibe a little okay. bit. Okay. The obvious and immediate answer that we could do growing up the way that I did on the shows that I did, I would say the Duras sisters. But <laughs> I'm going to go with like the, the, the kind of warrior woman I would want to be, which is Kira. Right? 
come on. Yes, I'm even getting fist pumps. That's amazing. Yes, Kira, she's incredible, incredible. And you knew where her heart was. Um, she was unabashedly passionate, unabashedly uh, fierce. Um, but you got to see her kind of uh, personal process as well, her development as a character as she evolved beyond that. When we're first introduced to her, that's what she is, right? That's how she's defined. And through the course of those seven seasons, she becomes so much richer than that, so much richer. Um, so yeah, Kira. And actually, Kira, if you if you look at the women of all of Trek, especially the the main the series regulars, Kira is seen as having the most feminist agency alongside Captain Janeway. And Kira actually has a little bit more of a success in that she's able to have successful, healthy romantic relationships. Yes. You know, yeah. Janeway's were, were more limited, obviously, by her circumstances. But I think... And by seeing, the holodeck. And by the holodeck. I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but just... She, she has excellent taste. Sorry, by, by, saying, <laughs> by, by having Kira's name come off first in this panel, it just feels very natural. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting is in the Deep Space Nine documentary, Nana talked about how she really enjoyed playing Kira because she felt like a lot of the lines could have been written for a man or a woman. Like, it, yeah. they were very sort of gender, gender neutral, which gave her a lot of flexibility to play with the character as she sort of felt the instincts took over, that they weren't written for a woman or for an overly masculine character. Yeah. So I always thought that was really interesting. So, Grace, how about you? Who is your top lady warrior? Well, I always think Kira first, but the one I want to talk about is Tasha Yar. Oh, yeah. yay! Because I don't and, think... And I would just like to say Denise was hopefully going to be able to be on this panel, but she's filming, so we miss her. Well, the good thing is that now I can talk about her character without... <laughs> without her be, without with the, matching the these two's hair <laughs> and just being like, oh! Anyway... Tasha didn't get a fair shake, I don't think. I love the character. I love that when we first get to know her, we know her as someone who has come out of some incredibly dark places and who has worked her way out of it just by the skin of her teeth and by her own grit and determination. And I think there's a whole lot to be said about how... Um, what am I trying to say here? I don't want to say more butch, but more sort of masculine-traded women really don't get a fair shake in terms of representation, I don't feel like. Um, and yeah... Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't think she really got the fair shake she deserved in terms of we know she went through some stuff. Let's see her go through some more because she can handle it, man. She can handle herself. Well, and I think her character is kind of timeless because I gave, um, <laughs> I had a friend who'd never seen Star Trek ever, any Star Trek, and she was like, I feel like I need to get into it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, you're coming to the right person. And I had her start, We she watched Voyager and then she started TNG and the first text she sends me, she's like, OMG, Tashi Yar's amazing. I love her. And I'm like, uh-oh. I got bad news <laughs> oh, for you, no. buddy. Bad news. <laughs> Not saying anything, but there's going to be tears. <laughs> Always. And Erin, who, who is your top warrior? I'm going to be warrior. as stereotypical as I can be. And just, I, Janeway, Janeway is my love. Yay! My one true love, lady icon. Everything I do and be is shaped around trying to be more like Janeway. <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimate answer right there. I just, the thing I really like is how much they played up, being a scientist myself, but the fact that she came from being a science officer to being a captain and how much of, and some of the consternation and some possibly heated debates I've had over the years with people. Um, But she's driven by... There's never a halfway debate about Janeway. No, there's not. Um, 
But I think she's driven by curiosity. She's a scientist by nature, and she allows, you know, she she takes control. I also have always really liked how she has had to play that line of being the leader, being the sort of more matronly character. Her her crew is obviously freaked out and doesn't have a a clear path forward so she has so many roles she has to be but then in that sense too she doesn't have anyone she can turn to and they talk to a lot about that when it comes to the relationships when she's mortified that she like has a holodeck boyfriend and, <laughs> and the doctor is just like you can't i think it was a doctor who just said who else would you date? Like, yeah. you can't, you know, you should allow yourself this. You can't be alone the whole time. So just commit to your OC. He'll really bring you what you need personally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I do think it's interesting as well, the, the development of what a female captain is supposed to be. You really saw that on screen. You saw the, the showrunners and writers kind of struggling with it. You saw um, Kate struggling with it. Um, and you saw her kind of come out into what she wanted Janeway to be. I think it was like the second season, pretty much. That first, they were kind of playing with her, like, how many hairstyles does one woman need? Oh, I think we have gotten the signal that there's somebody else about to join us. Is it Mr. Rogers? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, I do believe that Rekha Sharma is here. (gasps) Come on out. Hi! So sorry, I'm late, guys. No, it's all right. Welcome. We have to hug. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have to hug everybody. The tiniest warrior woman in the galaxy. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Tiny but mighty. Well, we were just saying who our favorite warrior women of Trek are. Oh my gosh! Do you have keep, a bias there? Keep talking, keep talking. Let me let, let me let me. Oh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna up. throw it to Discovery in just a minute. So you're okay. you're right on time. Okay. Yeah, we have uh, so far. Um, we've had Kira, Tashiar, and Janeway. So that's where that's where we're at. Um, I don't know if you want to throw throw your hat in that ring. <laughs> Say yourself. Come on, Landry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say mine. I, you know, obviously all of the ladies that we've, we've mentioned so far are, are really up there for me, especially Janeway, because she's my captain. Um, but I really love Jadzia Dax, you know, and her, and her excellent Klingon uh, tradition that she's been steeped in because of the, you know, because of the symbiont. And I just, I love the way Terry approached playing her and the way that they, you know, I, I was very sad that she didn't go out and have a warrior's death. Yeah. So I, I really wanted to have her, you know, t- t- for her to die in battle would have been really fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I, I love her and I love the, that she has that rapport with so many people and that, she, you know, they got, she got married in a traditional Klingon way and she married a Klingon. And it was, you know, she shouldn't be defined by just by her relationship with Worf because before that she said her own, she brought all of her own interests to that. That wasn't something that she just got into because her man happened to be into it. I think one of the things that I always, that where I really saw I guess myself kind of in Dax, in Jadzia Dax, was when she's playing Dabo with all the Ferengi. And yes. she's like owning them. Yeah. And, um, she's the kind of person who's like, I guess I'll play a little pool, you know, I'll, I'll try it out. Right. And then she just smokes everybody. So, but we're going to throw it to Discovery. Yay! Yay! Okay, now go. Okay. Okay. I'm going to choose somebody maybe a little bit unlikely. Oh. That's because it's what came to my head. Tilly. Oh, yes! Oh. oh, my God. We could just... any Give me any subject I'm going to want to talk about, Tilly. Right? 
I don't. It. I mean, I love that this woman is like we get to see that it's not easy because as a bunch of warrior women we all know it ain't fucking easy i just swore yeah (laughs) well you've broken that dam for the rest of us now okay sorry sorry we we can put the dam back up if we need be children oh damn sensitive ears oh damn good one um it's not easy. We all have our baggage. We all have been told that we're not good enough. We've all not had our needs met by, my, by our parents. And we get to watch that she struggles with that and chooses to listen to her heart, chooses to listen to her inner knowing and do what feels right for her anyway and, and put her mom in her place respectfully. And um, even... I mean, Captain Killy, like a whole other side of uh, her, right? Uh, Killy is right here on my list. <laughs> yeah, but we all have, I really believe we all have a mirror universe inside of us. And, you know, we need to just tap into that. Oh, that. Somebody, somebody tweet that. We all have a mirror universe inside <laughs> of us. Does anyone here have a phone and can tweet? <laughs> um, I think that's a great point, though, because yeah. I think when she, when Tilly saw Captain Killy, it awoken something in her that she exactly. saw her own potential and she saw her own strength. And I just think that's, I think a lot of us relate to that when we see fictional characters that we might see ourselves in, that we, it draws out something that we hadn't tapped into previously. And I love Absolutely. that she truly does make such a significant difference and literally saves the day more than once using wow. her amazing brain. I mean, that's yeah. really her greatest, um, her greatest weapon. And I love her how- brain and, and her um, passion. Yes. She doesn't take no for an answer. She does what she needs to do, even quietly behind people's backs. <laughs> she does do that. Sometimes that's <laughs> the strongest way to do it. And it's, it's interesting because we often put these strong warrior women on a pedestal, you know, and they're seen as being untouchable. And Tilly is not like that. She's not untouchable. Exactly. You know, we can all relate to her. I deeply relate to her. I relate to her on a basis that it's nice to see a tall, curvy woman in a Starfleet uniform. Hell yes. <laughs> to say nothing of the fact that all of the examples we listed before are all women who've already kind of made their uphill climb and are all badass when we see them for the first time. Tilly is someone who's having to make that climb. And yeah, we're witnessing it. It's so powerful to get to witness it and to see her get to sort of ascend to the person she wants to be. Yeah, and I think, and I do believe that's that's a daily decision. That's a moment to moment decision. Um, So that's why I love that part of the storytelling so much. Because, I mean, you could be a badass out at work, and and you come home, and it's your significant other, and all your triggers come up, and all of a sudden you're a mouse in the corner. And those are those moments where we need to go, wait a second, wait a second, be brave, right? And Commander Landry was definitely not to be trifled with in either universe. No. You know, know. not from the moment we saw her, you know, you know, she she had already had that ascent that that Tilly is after. You know, she comes in, she's very self-possessed, she knows what she's doing, she's she's in charge. And I really wish we'd gotten to see more of her. I mean, obviously we'll get to see a little more of her. You know, in in the expanded universe of Star Trek with the game, Star Trek Online, and yeah, and all that. Yeah. So you know, without giving too much away, because I know not everyone has played yet. Um, there is there is more of her, you know, origin story of how she became a badass. And and one thing I love about Landry is 
all, not all of her badassery is um, good, for lack of a better exactly. word. Exactly. It um, you know she has her troubles. There there are strengths that are wonderful, and there are strengths that well they're not even strengths. They're just trauma. And uh, I did you I find like, it? Did you find it liberating to play somebody who is not necessarily likable? But it's, you find it like liberating. She maybe? clearly doesn't know my body of work. Um, <laughs> I do know your body. I am a very big Battlestar Galactica fan. So well, I am a very. Are you big saying SG that Tor- you found Tori likable? I'm saying no. I'm saying, did you find it? <laughs> did you find it liberating to play somebody who didn't have to be likable? Oh, just in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, like you did with Tori, and then again with Landry. You know, it's a good question because women are I, so often trained to please and to be likable yeah you want your character to be well liked yeah uh, yeah <laughs> you know i just you've just, given me pause <laughs> in the best possible way because i you know i have resented it in some ways i've thought um you know and not initially because i loved you know i mean battlestar galactica was an incredible story i, I mean there's yeah it, it, it was an absolute honor to tell every word that was uh, in those scripts. Um, but, you know, it became one of those things where everybody had seen me do that, and then we'll, we'll just hire to keep playing those characters, somebody you think is good, but they're bad. Um, so I've done a fair amount of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, you know, being stereotyped in any way is sort of annoying, to say the least. Um, however... I like what you're saying now. And so maybe I'll just reframe the way I think about that. It, I feel like it's, it's, it's liberating to see, on, to see it as someone who's a fan. Yeah, and like one of my favorite characters on television is actually Selena Meyer on Veep. Mm-hmm. And how, how like unlikable and yet totally you, you cheer for her you're the rooting whole for way. Her. You're rooting for her, but she's like the most ridiculous, despicable idiotic woman and how big is the ratio that we have for male characters who get to do that versus women characters who get to do that absolutely the male anti-hero is much readily more readily accepted you know if you look at the walter white and don draper and Uh you know all these uh james gandolfini on on sopranos you know but if a woman is unlikable who's gonna a woman's unlikable then like like i don't know how many of you have watched breaking bad but skylar white walter white's wife has been vilified repeatedly by fans repeatedly for being such a horrible problem like if my husband was making and selling meth i would be upset too (laughs) yeah no i never understood that i never felt that way about her character at all i thought she did a fantastic job of actually writing that line where she didn't like murder him you know But yes, but back to back to like the disco ladies, you know, we have a really large spectrum, you know, from from Burnham to Giorgio to Laurel, who I adore. Uh, and and Admiral Cornwell, who amazing, you know, fantastic, amazing. love her. <laughs> I love with those two characters There's alone. So we have this thing about women characters not being able to raise their voice so much because that risks making them look angry. And then we get the two of them just straight up screaming in each other's faces. It's great. That yeah, was, yeah, that was so women in anger. I want to talk moment. about that on yeah. women in anger and how. As a society, we're told that that is something you don't ever want to display. So maybe, Erin, do you want to chat about that for a second? And we'll just go. Well, I was trying to, I was trying to think of how um, 
I guess, angry women in Star Trek. When I think about it first, I think about the Klingons. And Seska. They're, they're good at Seska. channeling anger. His screaming in Klingon will get out a lot of stress. <laughs> but I always, I, found, I always found the Duras sisters really interesting. I think that they are complex. They are kind of that first introduction you get to how to operate in a more patriarchal society and how they have found a place for themselves and they are a force to be reckoned with and, and how they navigate it. And so I've always, I guess the, the instinct is, is when you don't have any other options, you get angry and, uh, and you display that. And I think you can use the Klingons as a good conduit for that. But then they've built out so many more characters. I think, yeah, as we talked about at the beginning, Kira, you know, when people think of an angry woman in yeah. Star Trek, she's angry She a deserves lot. her anger, and she <laughs> yeah. deserves but she to act does. on it. As they start, as they explore her background, you get it, and you, and it's all, it's part of who she is, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. But, yeah. yeah How about you, Grace? Thoughts. There's one thing that I always think back to when I'm talking about uh, women and how their relationships with rage are depicted. And I'm taking it off track for a second, but it just interests me so much. I remember reading about this interview that was um, during the making of one of the Avengers movies, Joss Whedon talking about how they kept needing to reshoot the slow motion fight scenes because he's like, we don't want to see it in slow motion. All these women going like, looking mad and pulling angry faces because that doesn't look pretty. It's like, they're mad. Pretty should not come before the character getting to be mad. That's ridiculous. And I think about that a lot in terms of, again, how women are allowed to be angry both in media and in real life. Um, think about- well, sorry about that. Can I just interject? Yeah, totally. Just personally, so I work in a very heavily male-dominated So you know field. it. So you and know it. I didn't ask. I just said you were Dr. Aaron to please tell the sorry. audience exactly the kind of awesome science that you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm an astrophysicist. I like to say I'm a rocket scientist by day and a warp drive expert by night. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I do aerospace engineering, and then I also advise writers on science fiction. And my background was in, in gravitational waves and general relativity. And, um, but so I work every day in a really heavily male-dominated society. And they, it's interesting how much my male counterparts feel the need to point out when I look upset. And not even in like a smile sweetie type way because they know what my face would be if they said that to me <laughs> they, the, the guys I work with are good guys you know but I think they comment so much on like oh yeah you you need to like get like we know you're stressed we know you're stressed out we you need to get better at you know, hiding that because they don't like to see it when I'm angry. There's and, entitlement to women's emotions and how they're outwardly expressed. Yeah. And you know, I, I work in meetings where, you know, the guys are screaming at each other, you know, and, but I'm not allowed to do that. So anyway, that's just, that reminded me of that. And it's hard. It's something we have to navigate. And so it can be liberating in television to be able to see that, especially right. considering how sort of few role models of healthy anger we get for women on TV, yeah. if I can say that. Yeah. And that's one of the things, again, that I liked about Kira a lot. Her anger was deserved, and she had to learn how to deal with it. And she, at that time, was really, um, I mean, we, what I had commented previously on her complexity, and we see her evolve into a fully fleshed-out human being as she kind of proceeds and develops beyond that. 
what I love about discovery is not just the amount of diversity, not just the amount of um, um, allowance there is for both male and female characters to kind of experience the spectrum of human experience and emotion and have the right to do so. Um, and just side note, it's actually one of the reasons I love Discovery because I feel like where it is within the timeline, by the time we have TOS, uh, the Federation, its morals, its standards, its, its modicums have been completely established. They are set. They are out in the universe living it, supposedly. Um, discovery is set before that. So we haven't, the Federation hasn't really decided what that is. They haven't decided what their place is. They haven't kind of had that struggle as an organization because the people themselves are having that struggle and we see it on screen. They are figuring out what it is to be Starfleet. There's a lot of moral complexity going on. Absolutely. So you're seeing that gamut of human experience in both male and female characters and and they're allowed to do so in quite a beautiful way. It adds so much depth and complexity to it. So I think that's one of the first things I, I... really latched onto with Discovery was we're seeing not just the development of these characters and these human beings, we're seeing the development of what the Federation is all about because they're figuring it out just as the characters involved are. Um, I just love that. So, and, and seeing that what, how you, both of you, um, Michelle and, and Rekha, as actresses and seeing, and, both, and Rekha has also been in Star Trek Continues. I don't know if everybody knows that. Um, but, you know, seeing Dr. McKenna and seeing your character in Star Trek Continues and really being able to have those different kinds of strength. You know, the, you're not just that outward warrior withholding the batleth or wielding the phaser or punching someone. You know, I, I wanted Michelle to comment on that, too, because, you know, we, we had talked about Dr. McKenna's yes. strength. And, you know, then, Reka, if you wanted to chime in and talk about that. Well, I think, uh, quite frankly, our, our most immediate and natural assumption is to kind of look at warrior women as basically embodying what we identify and define as masculine versions of strength. Um, it's going to be extremely physical. It's going to be dominating. It's going to, there's going to be uh, the ability to harm or, or dominate, inflict harm, uh, you know, physical pain, right? Um, but what I love about what we're seeing and what I'm really thoroughly loving in characters like Tilly and in characters like you, because we understand her more deeply than I think a normal, say, anti, just a basic two-dimensional anti-hero would be. Um, what needs to happen to start recognizing and and kind of expanding what um, strong women are is we just need to start redefining what we mean by strength. What does strength exactly mean? Um, I mean, there are characters in and out of the Star Trek universe that aren't necessarily put in that category, but there are are so many ways that strength can show itself in that perseverance and that absolute dedication and that amazing ability to uh, self-sacrifice in in the sticking to your... I was about to cuss as well. (laughs) A big one, it was going to be an F-bomb. To stick to those principles and, you know, stand in who you are regardless of what's coming at you. Mm -hmm. Um, To, like Tilly does, to still choose to lead with that heart to still choose to leave with, lead with love and passion, regardless, knowing you're probably going to get that smashed once or twice. But it doesn't matter because that's who you are. So I think just kind of expanding what um, strength is, is in general will kind of um, open up the door to us seeing a lot more of that or recognizing it because it's already there. Rico, how about you? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, 100% agree. Um, it's not Star Trek, but... 
Wonder Woman. Uh, the reason why I love that movie so much is it is about the strength of love and the heart. And, and I, I mean, honestly, there is no greater strength. There isn't than love, than our hearts. That is the, the substratum of the universe, in my opinion, is love. Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> no, and, and, and even looking you know, through the, the tradition of other, you know, other women that, you're, that Discovery is currently engaging with on television, you know, and it, within the tradition of, of television, literature, and film, you know, not only do we have the women of Battlestar Galactica and Dana Scully, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, um, the women of Game of Thrones, you know, the, these Ripley, Buffy, like it's like, you, you're getting this, but everyone's basic journey really comes back to what you were saying about doing something out of love. You know, if, if you're going to harm this character, you're going to harm somebody they love. Yeah. And, and this is why we love Star Trek. I mean, yeah. that's the, that theme is in every single character's journey, as you say, every single one. Like, think about it for a minute. They all got to do that. Even um, Seska, even somebody like Seska that we don't really like. Yeah. You know, like, like there's like still that element. We like liking her. Yeah, we like well, not I mean, liking that you're her. Not, that you're not coded to like, yeah. you know. Um, but it, it's, it's not necessarily just like, like, it's not the Borg Queen, you know, which is pure ambition and pure domination. Yeah. yeah. So. And I, and I li- really love watching that, um, that aspect of Burnham's journey. You know, she's just even trying to get in touch with her heart, like, you know, and the, the programming. I love what you were saying about, you know, this part of the journey being before and what is Starfleet. And, and you know, as the show goes on, I mean, it's interesting to, to do a prequel to a show that was made in the 60s where a lot of um, sexist um, stuff was really prevalent and, and was absolutely in the stories as much as we'd like to think that they weren't. Turnabout they were intruder. Wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, to to look at that now with discovery and go, wait a second, what are the roles that we are playing today? You know, I feel like there's there's a lot of that that we all struggle with. And, okay, I'm Starfleet. I'm supposed to be this way. I'm a scientist. I'm supposed to be this way at work. Am I? No. No, we're not. We're all supposed to be human and flawed and have we all have soft feelings in the inside and have to use our armor on the outside and it all works in tandem right i think a great character we haven't mentioned yet is seven of nine for that because yes she's coming from a point of like she is just she's almost a blank slate she's warrior first and foremost because she doesn't know who she is outside of the collective and then the whole storyline with her which we were also going to mention it's amazing that they brought on someone um, to sort of be uh, wearing a cat suit. <laughs> I'll they just brought her on because she had sex appeal. I mean, everyone. <laughs> yeah, she knows brought her it. on for sex appeal, and but there was so much behind their character as she started to discover herself and discover her identity and discover who she, the type of person she wanted to be, and you could see her turning to Janeway for advice and mentorship because she was trying to figure out who she was underneath and start to make those connections because I think she. Under, she began to understand that the foundation of everyone's 
personal one-on-one interactions is love. Like that, that's absolutely where she was coming from. The entire arc that she gets is discovering that different type of strength we were talking about. And we're going to get to see her again and see where she is in her journey, which I think that was, I didn't really, you know, we, we all watched the Picard trailer and we were so excited, but it didn't strike me right away how genuinely good it was to see Seven. Like I and the fact that she had like a very different intonation in her voice than than we we had come to know. To know that she's gotten to grow. She's like, what you doing there, Picard? That <laughs> like, that for me was the clincher. Yeah. That for me was I was like, okay, this looks good. This looks good. This. Oh my god! I can't wait. <laughs> my exact reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm just so glad. I like seriously like just watched her a little bit. I was like, damn, she's good. Yeah. I love that she's gotten. To and she's not wearing a cat suit. Yeah. She gets to wear undies. <laughs> That's another side of herself she's gotten to discover. Yes. yes. Undergarments. Um, and, and one person we didn't mention who, from, from an early warrior point of view, um, is uh, Ro Laren. I love Ensign oh, Ro. Yeah. You know, and then we do, I think we definitely did not get enough of her as well, along with not getting enough of Yarb. I mean, the women of, of Next Gen were de- primarily caregivers, you know, and I love Troy and I love Crusher. And, you know, they, they have that... that Ability within them, of course, to be badasses, um, but to be able to have these these and Kaler, you know, and hell just yeah, every, there's there's with all the all the auxiliary ladies that we sort of only got to know briefly in Next Generation, um, especially Ro. I love Ro. She's she's great. And again, that's why I'm so excited with Discovery. We have like just a full, a fully loaded cast um, all around. I think we have time. We're, it's, so it's, we have about 15 minutes left, which is great. We're making great time. We're going to take a couple questions. So why don't we start over here, and then we'll go over. Is there someone over there? Yes, oh, yeah, perfect. Okay, we'll start over here hey, first. Sabrina. Hi. Um, so you already touched upon it a little bit, but like I'm in academia myself and humanities, so it's a bit different than the hard sciences. But at the same time... I have I my master's like, in English Lit, so... Okay. I have, so I, um, I, I always feel like as a woman, you're always policed and the way that you're supposed to behave in terms of, oh, if you swear, you know, that's looked at differently. So I love when Tilly got to say the F word rather than a guy. For I love that she got to drop um, the first F-bomb in Star Trek. Yes. Oh. And, and also the way you dress, everything is always being policed. So I was wondering um, if you want to elaborate a little how that played out for you in your careers, like being actresses, being in the sciences. You already said a few things, but I feel like we're always under much more scrutiny than men are. I think, Wants to take that. <laughs> yeah. well, I think what I found helped me was um, having idols. I've talked a lot about how my mentors are fictional characters, and I stand by that because they, they're ones I, I relate to and I see myself in, and that's what a mentor is supposed to be. But through them, I discovered more of who I was and became more confident in that. And so I think for me, it's been constantly especially in a new position trying to find that line of how much I let my personality shine and slowly roll that out so as people get to know me better you know they'll maybe start seeing my tattoos more I'll have like a Voyager mug on my desk (laughs) they'll you know as they start to see me then I just try to let my true self shine and not always have that armor obviously you have it up first because you're still meeting people and I think we all do that naturally but really not being afraid to let your true geek flag fly (laughs) and be your genuine self because that's when you're bring in all your nerd crap and put it on your desk on day one yeah get that out of the way (laughs) 
But but in terms of, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, Reka, in terms of, you know, the Hollywood vibe that I'm sure that you struggle with as a woman, you know, talk me, like a little bit about Let me tell you. Yeah. Let me tell you. Tell us. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, I mean, I could probably talk about this question alone yes. all day long. I mean, um, feminism and, and image, you know, there's so much about it that is complicated. On, on the one hand, it's, you know, every, every person has a right to dress and portray themselves however they want to you know, within reason. Um, <laughs> nobody's getting hurt. We're fine. Um, and, and there is a strength, I believe, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the very controversial feminist uh, views of Camille Paglia. Um, but you know, there is a real strength to the, the beautiful physicality of a woman's body and standing in it and being like, yeah, you like my legs? Here's a leg. Here's a leg. <laughs> Can you handle? Can you still talk to me and look at this leg? Um, <laughs> whatever it is, you know. Um, so there is a strength there, and there's no need to shy away from that. And yet it is not my value, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, and I, it's very... Uh, I, I'm not looking for pity, um, but it's very interesting. I think it's important to talk about the kinds of um, judgment and what is considered okay um, in society. So last week, somebody messaged me, and this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Somebody sent me a message on social media saying, I, want to t I just wanted to tell you you're ugly. What? Oh, real nice. I, got, I, did, a, I, I did a photo shoot for, for Discovery Jackets with Valente Design, and I'm not a size zero, and people were like, you're too fat to be in Starfleet. And I was like... But continue. I feel you is my bullshit. Point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mary Utopia. Wiseman looks great in that outfit. Damn. Um, she's hot, right? Yes. Um, and that's not her value. Well, it, you know, in Spider Man, the new the new Spider Man movie, um, Mary they go out and 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 Mary Jane is, dresses nice, and Peter Parker says to her, you, "You look very pretty," and she goes, "And therefore, I have value." Yeah, right. That was that's so good. so great, so great. Yeah, so, but, but you know, it just gave me pause, and I thought, I have a strong feeling. I'm very curious to ask my, my male friend actors if they ever get messages like that. I have a feeling they probably don't. So somehow there's this, uh, there's this belief system out there that if you're an actress, you, you need to be beautiful. If you're a woman, you need to be beautiful. Um... No. Some of the most successful, wonderful, talented people in film are not by society's standards, by like, you know, what we see in magazines considered to look like that, which to some people, many of us, don't find that all that beautiful. Right. <laughs> it's very complex. We could go on this, but we're yeah. going to go to the next yeah. question. <laughs> go ahead. Hi, I was hoping that uh, you all could comment on the queer coding of warrior women villains, particularly yes. Intendant yes. Kira and Emperor Jojo. Yes, the, the mirror universe people are often portrayed as, 
as queer or bi. And I, I definitely have and, some yeah. opinions. Go ahead, Grace. It also feels really telling that the primary bisexual depictions that we've gotten in Star Trek are mirror universe when it's something that's being used and being tied directly to the concept of a hedonistic or dangerous lifestyle, which is a really messed up way to represent it. Um, we see a lot of queer coding and a lot of villain characters in general. I talked earlier about how Yar and the, her relationship with uh, how women characters who are just kind of butch are portrayed and have never really gotten their fair shake. And we do have this massive history in terms of film of characters who are sort of coded as being, um, if you're a woman, if you're masculine, if you're a male character and you're kind of swishy, those are seen as traits that we adhere to characters that are unwholesome, if you catch my meaning. Um, so always the bad guys. My favorite is that you can look at just about any major Disney villain and be like, oh yeah, I could read them as gay. And it yeah. makes a lot of sense that um, if you look back kind of into the Hayes Code and the representations of queer characters, there's this idea that if they are explicitly or even nudge nudge wink wink uh, treated as a queer character then they have to be punished in some way or they can't be treated as someone who's good or if they're, they are. And they're overtly sexual where they're like draping themselves because you like here like intending. I know that you were going to ask that question also so I, it's okay. <laughs> we have this um, sort of standard characterization of across the full spectrum of queer representation of um, anyone who is not straight is a predator. And that is incredibly harmful. And that is, again, messed the hell up. Very messed up. But thank you for that question. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole panel on just that, to be clear. I like, did an episode And if on you it. want programming like that, like creation, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about it. Hi. Uh, I want to thank you guys for bringing up the topic of anger. Um, I feel like a conversation about that isn't complete without Belana Torres. Yes. I forgot about yes. her and thought about um, it halfway through, and I'm so sorry thank I forgot you. about yeah. her. Because <laughs> her journey, I feel, uh, they of course use, it, use the Klingon side of her to exhibit that anger, but as a woman, I relate to her a lot because we are taught to reject that anger, to reject that angry part of us. The episode where she's split into the two halves and understands and realizes that her strength comes from that and how she, over the course of the series, comes to accept that and that Tom likes that about her. And, you know... I just got it's chills. just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It really is, and I think that it's portrayed so beautifully in the episode title. I forgot, but when they're when she's pregnant with yes. her and Tom's baby, mm -hmm. and she is freaking out so because worried. she doesn't want to expose her kid to the same racism that she experienced being half Klingon, and they flash back to a lot of her dealing with her emotions oh as gosh. a child. And I just, it's one of my favorite episodes. That one's a good brilliant. picture. Yeah. Dealing with emotion as, you know, kind of starting with Spock and then, and then breaching out into the Star Trek canon, you know, it seems to not only, that seems to be a gender neutral topic that, I mean, dealing, dealing with the, the inner conflict is, is an, is an essential tenet of Star Trek. And I feel like Bolana really 
follows in the footsteps of Spock. And it's funny too, because when I was in graduate school, I met a friend there that we bonded over Voyager, but she, her person was Belana. Mine was Janeway. And hers was because Belana gave her the license to be an angry engineer. And like, she always wanted to just hit things with her wrench. Oh, Tig Notaro's character on Discovery. Yes. Uh, fabulous. I love her. So much to love. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. I think we have time for what? Maybe two, maybe one, two more. Go ahead. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, I'm Jeannie. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is for any and all of you. Who do you think, what character you could take in a fight? That I could take? I would lose to all of them immediately. (laughs) Get creative. Get creative. (laughs) Ah, I could take in a fight. Could I, could I dictate what the fight is? Yes. Okay. Lip sync battle. <laughs> How about a uh, stretching fight? A workout fight? I will get in a leotard and I will take both Crusher and <laughs> Troy down. <laughs> down. They will not know. No more of this seesaw with your legs out, <laughs> ladies. It is happening. Yeah. Oh, man. One of the, so, not right. me personally, but... <laughs> not me personally. I love... Um, when you asked the question, it reminded me of Q. <laughs> and Q, for me, I'm, I am not a chaotic alignment. I'll put it that way. Q is chaotic, and it stresses me out. <laughs> um, but I love that Janeway takes him on <laughs> and, and, like, kind of doesn't put up with it, which I love. Just like, in uh, terms of like leave. the fights of the ones that I thought I could never take on because Q stressed me out so much when she takes him on. I'm Interesting. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, like a like a like a showdown with a Q. Oh. Interesting. I would lose. I would. Lose. I, I freely admit that I'm. I don't like heights. I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> like I'm just. I, I I am badass in my intellect, but not in my physicality. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Anyone else? Are we? Harry Mud. Yeah. Because if you think you can be cattier and more underhanded than me, then I will go full Yenta on your ass. <laughs> Grace is coming for you all. Well, Landry already took everybody on. So, what? Yeah. How about you, Rika? I don't know. I'm Who's like left. Who's left? They're, they're. I mean, I like the idea of taking on Q just because it would be so fun to lose. <laughs> Only the best people get to fight. It would be Q. a story. I know. I'd be like, ah, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> this person over here is dying to ask his question. We have time for like one more. Go ahead. Reka, I promised I would not get on your case again like I did last oh, year. Oh, Jay, but, but you can't help it. I'm, I'm afraid I have to in light of this panel. All right. Um, and I know it's the writers. It's the writers' fault. Yes. To blame. Always. What happened. But it, do you think, in your opinion, is there such a thing as being, uh, as the writers written for your character being too ambitious, too so well driven by a higher authority to get results? And as a result, it was your character that made a freaking fatal mistake. You're, you're on point, Jay. <laughs> you're on point. I was yeah. driven by an authority, which we all found out later on was from the mirror universe. Loser. He led me astray. And yeah, I paid the price. He should have paid that price. Jason Isaac's out here. You guys can have like a showdown. There's your showdown. Yeah! Yeah, Why not do it? Lorca versus Landry. Is there something to be said about your character being led astray by an errant male? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that was absolutely a, a Me Too situation. That's what that was. And, uh, you know, there was a scene that we actually, uh, that got cut, but where you would have seen it more explicitly. The only moment where people clued on to what was going on there in the subtext is when I, you know, he's, I, where I say, I'll do anything for him. I can't remember the exact line. Um, everyone's like, anything? Yes. Um, but there was actually a scene where we were, we meet in a closet, sort of clandestinely. Closet? What? Closet? This, is, one this is new. It was cut. <laughs> oh, I want to see this cut footage. All right, this is, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to all t- tweet CBS and say, show us the cut. No, 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 it was, cut before, it was cut before we shot. Oh, before so we didn't you actually shot even it. shoot it. Oh, On the sad. day we were supposed to shoot it, they snipped that scene. Oh, man. I think it was like too risque or something. Well, we have had a fabulous chat. Thank you all so much for being here. Thanks. And uh, yeah, um, why don't just really quick tell us where we can find you three ladies and we know where to find Reka. Um, I'm at Dr. Erin Mack on Twitter, and I'm giving a whole handful She's of talks at the panels. CBS stage. So some, come see me. I'll be at 1 o'clock today doing the physics of Star Trek. It's really fun. You can find me on Twitter at BonecrusherJank. You can also find me in the dealer's room. I, I podcast. I do this all the freaking time. You can find me in the Roddenberry Podcast Network booth, and you'll probably find me passed out at the Carnival Buffet line at about 2 a.m. <laughs> Michelle, where can we find you? Uh, online, I'm at Michelle Specht everywhere. Michelle with one L. And um, this weekend, you're just going to find me geeking out, and I'll probably scream and want to <laughs> hug you, and you won't know who I am, but just go with it. It's just easier. It's safer. <laughs> don't fight it. Don't fight it. And I'm at Lightstar1013 on Twitter and Instagram, and I will be doing another panel today, one tomorrow with LeVar and Michael Dorn and Kate Mulgrew on Saturday. Woo, woo, woo. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. So, so what do you guys think of my panel? Uh, like I said, it was so great. Um, it was a really great balance of people from different backgrounds on that panel. And I really particularly loved how you threw in the discussion about queer baiting women villains. I could and, not. Uh, I yes. literally could not. And uh, we had <laughs> a lot not. of people come up afterwards and tweet to specifically thank you for that. Um, I yeah. think it was a really important part of the discussion, something we've discussed on the show. And uh, yes, very awesome to have that happening on the Vegas main stage. It was pretty incredible. I've um, I've been doing conventions and podcasting for a little over a decade now, and I've never gotten a response like that. Um, so I'm just blown away by the amount of people who A, thought this was a topic worth talking about, and B, enjoyed hearing us talk about it. It was incredible. I feel like the Star Trek Las Vegas audience, um, you know, we've we've talked about before how um, when the first year I did the women's panel, which was now five, six years ago, um, that there were, you know, they wouldn't necessarily weren't into letting us call ourselves women. It was girls and they weren't really into letting us use the feminist. But over time, it was obvious there was a real appetite for this content and that the audience wasn't going to like let them get away with that forever. So the panel grew and the, uh, the dialogue grew. Also, there's a massive appetite, I think, for more queer content, oh, yeah. um, as well as content on things like disabilities, um, mental health, other things that haven't really been, you know, they've only really scratched the surface at STLV. And uh, hopefully that they're they're going to see that there's a real demand for that and move more in that direction in future. Yeah, that's a conversation I continue to find myself having uh, last weekend or last weekend as of this recording. 
that um, five, six years ago, they wouldn't even print the word feminist in the program. Yeah. And and this year, uh, Grace was able to talk about queer issues on the main stage, um, as were several other panels and panelists, uh, mm. which is wonderful. So, I mean, I think creation has made a lot of steps in the right direction, but they also still have a long way to go. And it's also not proactive, really. Like, some of the gender stuff is now because there was pressure to um, add more women moderators or MCs on the main stage. And that's happened a little bit, although it's, it's I believe, still all white people. Um, mm-hmm. But Pretty much. Um, a lot of it is they're still relying on fans to submit those panels. And if we have listeners who are like, hey, I would be a totally great person to host a panel on say queer representation on Trek or any other topic and you want advice on how to submit the panel then shoot us an email and we're always happy to give feedback any final thoughts before we head out for the night stay tuned for yet more Star Trek Las Vegas programming next week (gasps) the party never stops now uh, Sue tell us where can we find you online you can find me on Twitter at Speltor that's S-P-A-L-T-O-R and you, Jarrah, where can people find you? You can find me at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin on Twitter or at TrekkieFeminist.com. And I'm Grace, and you can find me on Twitter at BonecrusherJank and reigning dominion over all of these grasshoppers I've adopted as my own. <laughs> I feel like a mother now, and I gotta tell you, it's pretty rewarding. Loud, but rewarding. <laughs> to learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. You can also email us at crew at womenatwarp.com. And for more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network. Podcast.roddenberry.com.